This is a podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. Philippians chapter 1 verse 1 through 14 is just staggering. It's a wonderful piece of scripture and I want to start this morning by asking a really simple question. In fact, you might think really it's a little bit of a statement, but the, the, the question or the statement is this, life isn't easy, is it? Life isn't easy, is it? Now I know uh, from experience of just uh, you know a few short years of life, <clears throat> That, it, that it's just not easy. It, it's tough. And it's a given, really, that we're going to have a few issues. It's not always plain sailing. But what do I mean, in case you were wondering, perhaps life isn't that difficult for you and you're thinking, well, I don't really get it, Matthew. I don't really see any issues. But you see, trouble or difficulty is never far away, whether it's an overdue bill. Anybody else got those? One of those credit card bills that you wish would go away, but it just won't. Or whether it's a friend or a family member that perhaps is ill and they've been ill for a while, and you just wish that there was something more that you could do. Maybe it's a situation at work that just doesn't seem to want to resolve itself. No matter, again, how much you pour into it, it just doesn't want to get any better. And there are so many things that cause all sorts of trouble And I also know that for me, the hungrier I get, the more issues there are. Yeah? There's no milk. There's no milk. We could start world war without milk, I tell you. But the hungrier I get, the more uh, issues that seem to arise. And And I guess why, you may be thinking, why am I telling you all of this like you don't know? Not that milk is going to start a world war but that we do have issues. And you perhaps think, well, you know, I came this morning to see some hope. I came this morning to hear about some hope and some joy and maybe a little bit of love, Matt. I didn't come this morning to, to, for you to remind me about how these issues are packing or stacking up and I've got to face them all again tomorrow morning. I came here for a breather. But if I'm honest, that's really the point. You see, because there isn't some magic formula that just eradicates all the problems. Because if there were, I would have tried harder at maths at school. But there isn't some magic formula that takes away all the trouble, small or big, irrelevant of what they are in size, irrelevant of what they are in nature, that we suddenly go, that's got to go, boom, happy days. In fact, Jesus talks into that in John 16, 33. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. If he finished there, it would be a very depressing verse. In this world, you will have trouble. Fact. But another fact is this. As the verse continues, as Jesus continues, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus says, you are going to have trouble in this world, but don't worry, because I, Jesus, I have overcome the world. So therefore, bring the trouble on, because I've already beat it. And I'm, I'm a guy who likes to know that I'm on the winning team. We've talked about this before. Very competitive. So failing, I know. 
But I want to be on the winning team. And I guess, well, all of us do, don't we? Nobody wants to be on the losing side, do they? I won't bring the World Cup up. For fear that I might just cry. But you see, Jesus says, look, take heart. Because I've overcome the world. And that brings about a bit of a shift. You see, trouble is inevitable, whatever shape or size. But how we respond to it, or how we respond in it, so how we respond to it or in it, is the key to our success on so many levels. Not just our Christian walk. Primarily, that's where we're going from this morning. But on so many levels, how we deal with trouble in our life is going to shape what the next steps look like. So how we respond to it or in it, what we do is the key to our success. And Paul's opening gambit here to the church at Philippi seems so wonderful. It seems like it's perfect. I can almost picture him sat on the edge of a beautiful 20-acre lake, enjoying the trout topping for the mayfly. You can see the lilies starting to flower. You can see that the sun is out, the trees are green, and you think, wow. Listen to how he talks. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, he says, I always pray with joy. You can, see, you can hear the birds tweeting, kind. you can just hear the beautiful surroundings In all my prayers, he says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And you think, wow, I must be so relaxed. The setting must just be perfect. He's almost got his easel set up. And his, his nice canvas. And every now and again, halfway through a few words, he's like just putting a few strokes down. And you start to see the landscape. Oh, it's just wonderful. Until you read verse 7. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains... Hang on. Hang on. He says, whether I'm in chains... Or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. Hang on a minute. I didn't see any chains in that picture. That picture looked so beautiful, so idyllic. In fact, he was just about to get into a boat with his fly fishing rod and just go and have a go, you know? But now he's mentioned some chains. And the way he writes, brings us in to the picture and now starts to unleash on us the actual surroundings that he finds himself in. And we have to skip on to verse 12 through 14. He says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, hang on, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace, God, hang on, And to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. What? Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak 
the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Hang on a minute, Paul. You see, because I'd got this wonderful picture of where you were. It seemed perfect. But actually, now I start to unlock that actually you're in chains. Not only are you in chains, you're in prison. In fact, it was at this point, maybe two years of his life was occupied by house arrest. Now, you might think that's all right. Well, at least he weren't in a dungeon. He went there as well. But here he is, perhaps with a guard at his door, a chain around his legs, because otherwise he'd scarper out the window, or so they thought. So therefore, he's under house arrest, not able to do what he wants to do, far from it. Dictated to by the Romans what he could or couldn't do. And Paul here, in that situation, is writing positively. He's writing full of love. He's writing full of joy. He's writing full of hope, even though he is absolutely in an awful situation, imprisoned. Yet it does not stop him doing what God has called him to do. It does not stop him doing what God has called him to do. You know, church, this month of July, we're focusing on prayer. We're making a real push Everything that we're talking about is revolving around prayer. How we pray, what to pray, our attitude and our heart in prayer. And now Paul's letter shows us as Christians that prayer life doesn't change when disaster strikes. Because Paul is looking beyond His very opening, as we've seen, is full of thanksgiving and prayer, particularly verse 3 and 4. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, he says, I always pray with joy. His thanksgiving and his prayer life is pouring out in the letter. And my question is, why does he start there? If it were me... Hi, it's me, Paul. I'm in prison. Mint. I expected stuff to be a lot easier than this, but for whatever reason, I find myself in prison. So pin your ears back. You're about to have it. But Paul does not start there. Prayer has helped him to do something. Prayer has brought about, for me, as you see in Paul's life and in the Christian's walk, brings about something, a huge shift in his life, a huge shift in our life, Because we have the same opportunity of what we're about to hear. You see, because this is what happens. Prayer helps Paul. Prayer helps you and me. It helps us to look to our source, not to our situation. Prayer helps us to look to our source, not to our situation. Turn to someone and say, you need to look to your source. Don't be afraid. You've got to turn to somebody next to you and say, you need to look to your source. You see, because the truth is, unless we start to engage in thinking like this, unless we start to make it practical and real in our lives, our situation dictates our prayer life. Our situation dictates our Christian walk. Our situation starts to dictate our entire life. And God's saying, no, that's not what I want for you. What I want for you is far better than that. Plans to prosper us, not to harm us. So listen. And Paul says to us here, the way that he writes, go to the source. 
Remember what you've got. Know what you've got. And in that, you'll find comfort and peace and blessing. Church, it's such a phenomenal lesson for us this morning. Paul knew God was working in his situation. He knew that the church at Philippi were pushing the gospel further out. He knew the gods and the palace were aware who Jesus was. And they, he was fully aware that they knew that he was for Jesus. He knew God's grace on his life. And he knew God would never leave him. And you ask me, Matt, how do you know that? Verse 1 through 14. I'm not taking it out of context. I'm not taking scripture out of scripture. We're taking it exactly what the word says to us. And verse 1 through 14 tell us all the things that Paul knows. And what he did is he lifted his eyes from his situation and he looked to the source. And when we realize and we do that, when we make that our goal, I believe this is what we realize. Everything you see... I owe. I've written that on the board for you. I'll get out of the way. Everything you see, I owe. Think about it. You see, because I know that in my life, I start to think about what I've done and what I've achieved. And I don't deserve this. I deserve this. I'd be better if I was over here. Oh, I'd be so much better if I was doing that. And God says, no. You're right where you are, doing what you do, with everything that you've got, because that's what I've purposed for you. And we start to look up and we say, do you know what? Everything I see around me, my friends, my family, the good stuff, even the bad stuff is because God knows. He knows that that's something I can deal with. He knows that through his strength and his grace that I'm going to cope with that. He knows that through his strength and through his grace that all these things in our life are not by accident, but rather because God is in complete control. We take God out of the disaster, don't we? can't be there I'm desperate for him to help but I don't know where he's gone I'll just deal with this bit on my own and it's nonsense the Bible says that when the moment that you're in the disaster is the moment that you look up is the moment that you start to remember wholeheartedly and it's a shift in our mindset that says okay the situation might not be great but even if it was the best situation of my life my prayer life my walk with the Lord is what not going to change and we talk about the roller coaster so often and it's about being on that steady path that says Lord whether it be real bad or whether it be real good, you're still in control. Don't doubt that, church. We can't doubt that, can we? Because the moment that we start to doubt it is the moment that we start to do things in our own strength and in our own power. And I know that you're as weak as I am. And we have to hunker down and fix our eyes on Jesus you know, Paul himself said, whatever situation I find myself, whether in plenty or whether in need, that I find myself content. 
And when he got to that level, and I'm not saying we're there, you might be. I ain't there just yet. To say, whatever it be, I know. But this is what progressive sanctification is, becoming more like Christ on a daily basis that says, this is who I am, this is what I'm going to do, that's not going to change. It ain't going to change for Bob down the street because he don't like that I go to church. It's not going to change for Jean at work because she's not happy that I pray at lunchtime. It's not going to change for Sandra because she's decided that she's not happy that I'm bringing my kids up through Sunday school. Ugh, let the kids decide. But rather we root ourselves in what the Word of God says and what the Word of God does in our hearts and our lives, what His Word calls us to do and to be. And that's where we stay. Because if we start to go to the left or the right, church, we will fall off. We will fall off. Everything you see I owe, my life, my family, my friends, all the stuff that I have or maybe don't have, I owe to him. I also know that they bring about the good and the bad, their own unique set of problems. But I wonder if we're mature enough this morning to say, God, I thank you for all of that because I'm here because you want me to be. I'm here because you need me to be here And whatever it is that I've got to learn, whatever it is that I've got to do, whatever it is that I've perhaps got to help with, then let's bring that about. Thank you, God, for loaning me these wonderful people, these wonderful things, these wonderful friends. Did you hear the heart's position? The heart that says, I haven't earned it, but rather by God's grace. And I wonder this morning, church, if we can, let me just see what time it is, it is still this morning, that we can keep praying, that we can keep drilling down into his word, that we can keep rooted in what God has called us to. And let's not look at the situation and panic, but let's rather keep our eyes fixed on the source. Because this morning we have an opportunity to say, do you know all that's gone before me? That might only have been yesterday. It may only have even been this morning. I don't want to be that anymore. I don't want to go there anymore. I don't want to have that heartache and turmoil that that, whatever it is, keeps bringing to me. But Lord, I want it done with. Let's park that bus and let's look to the source and let's be thankful for everything that he's given to us. Amen? Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you this morning for your goodness and your grace. We want to thank you that, Father God, you have seen fit to bless us so richly. Father, so often we forget. But, Father, as we look this morning to the source, we say, look, everything that we see, we owe to you. And, Father God, we too pray that you might just help us not to look at the situation and panic, but rather to look to our source. So that whatever the situation finds us in, that Father God, our lives are rooted in you. Our lives are rooted in your word. And we're steadfast and sure, knowing that we are yours and that you will never let us go. 
Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful weather that we've been experiencing and we just pray that you might just continue to bless us over the summer months that are so close and so, so near ahead as the kids break up from school, as our diaries all of a sudden start to change, that, Father, you might just be with us and strengthen us, you might help us and guide us and that, Father, we might just keep rooted in all that you've got to do and all that you've got to say to us. Father, we just lift your name high. We thank you, Father God. Blesses, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.